I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Armstrong and Getty. The birthplace of talk radio. I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. My gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. If these trends continue, we're going to have to take much more dramatic, arguably drastic action. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he... Armstrong and Getty. A a quick message for people who listen to us on one particular radio station. This is called narrowcasting. I'm talking to Mm. just a particular group of people. Mm. We know how bad that newscast is. All right, we're completely aware. It's an embarrassment. Of one, how terrible it is just from a journalism standpoint, and two, how it, it it is exactly the opposite of our point of view on every single news story. Yes, we're completely aware of that. It's awful. Uh, live from Studio C. C, senior. A dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. Hey, everybody, check it out. It's a new month and wonder the tutelage of our general manager. You know, I'm tempted to go with my daughter, Caitlin. It's her birthday today. Awesome. Happy birthday, Kate. And it's a reminder that it's the people we care about that life is about. Not politics, not candidates, uh, but but the people who care for us. Awesome. Um, that and coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was the headline I saw for some from uh, top scientists say things are about to get brutal? I thought, what kind of a headline is that? Yeah. About to get brutal. Well, we just had a clip of Batman yelling at us on the air. Was that Batman? That was the governor of California, where the state is pretty shut down already, threatening even stricter shutdowns because of uh, drastic action. Well, it reminds me of uh, L.A. County, which is shut down about as strict as anywhere in the country. And uh, they featured one restaurant I saw last night on the news that had spent, I think it was a brewery, 
had spent a hundred grand trying to get in compliance to stay open with the various state rules, and then they changed the rules again, and you're still move, closed. Move the old goalposts. Hey, speaking of Cal Unicornia, we have grand. We have an exciting new feature today, based on Gavin Newsom lecturing everybody and, and yelling and, and shutting everything down and ruining people's livelihoods in an arbitrary and idiotic way, and then. Dining with all of his rich friends in Napa, we have the Gavin Newsom Award for government hypocrisy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard we that have story. some good nominees too. Oh no, I have multiple. Oh, nominees. awesome. Oh awesome. yeah, yeah. So yeah, get well, ready to vote. Well, these are uh, building up a world round. Actually, this has become a problem, and um, I, I guess it's not surprising. I mean, it's the history of government, and uh, you know, kings and queens uh, telling, giving you lectures about this sort of stuff, and living completely different lifestyles. Rules for thee and not for me. But all around the world, there's credibility problems with governments as people are getting caught saying you're not allowed to do this, and then they're caught doing that. So, um, and it, it, and it's, it's, it's really interesting because. The only thing you can conclude from a politician saying restaurants can't be open and then they're caught eating at a restaurant is that they don't actually think it's that dangerous. Isn't that the only thing you can conclude? Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's more orderly to keep all the sheep in their pen. The politicians, they're not sheep. They they know how to live life as an adult human being. And so they consider themselves capable of making those decisions. But the rest of y'all are not. Well, do you know, they think, like, if we go to a restaurant, we're all, like, a licking the floors? Or what do they think? A bunch of floor lickers. That we're doing that they're not doing. Well, it is because of the regulations, it's safer for them. Ah, well, you're right about that. <laughs> right. You it, are right about that. It, if they lifted it up and everybody went, it probably wouldn't be safe. But because, hey, listen, this is a it's shut down anyways. We can, we can if everybody stays home, yeah. the chance of me catching it is pretty low. Me and my rich friends. Yes. Me and my lobbyist friends. We could go to a birthday party. So... so uh, it's the equivalent of if I'm the governor and I need to get somewhere fast, I'd say, yeah, yeah, there's a uh, chlorine leak. Yeah, get off the highways. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're saying, Sean? It's insidious. Yeah, it's well, I, yeah, it's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, uh, well, one of the reasons uh, I'm a small-l libertarian, I, I love the saying, uh, liberals want the Democrats in control, conservatives want the Republicans in control, libertarians wonder why you want to be controlled. Hey, now. Hey, let's introduce everybody in the squad. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. Hi, this morning, Micah. I'm doing. I'm doing good, 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 good. Um, hey, but I'm poor from my wedding. I had I spent mm. a lot of money on my wedding. Yeah. So there's gonna be a lot of people getting pine cones with, uh, you know, <laughs> paint on them for Christmas. I'm just letting you know. You Lovingly know. crafted, homemade, Lovingly crafted crafting. with love in yeah. my heart. Love but that's crafts. But that's yeah. what you're going to get. A lot of year. pine cones with googly eyes and a little Santa hat. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing more whimsical. <laughs> no, those are fantastic. From Make a, mine a little squirrel with a tail. It's fantastic from a kindergartner. <laughs> but, uh, you know, whatever you got to do. Uh, you know, I suggest a little glue and glitter is always good, too. That'll, that'll bring anything to life. You get, you got a popsicle stick? It's no longer a popsicle stick. You get a little glue and glitter. Now it's something artistic. It's uh, an uh, ornament. The tree's already up. <laughs> Am I supposed it, to hold on to this for a whole year? <laughs> a, a couple of glitter-related notes. Uh, we have a, a friend who sent us a, a very nice Christmas card. It was like a three-segmented, uh, beautiful card, but it had glitter on it. And Judy opened it, and immediately there's glitter everywhere. That's a thing now. Uh, it's like loose glitter in a in an envelope is a I thing. I don't think it was intentional. Oh, really? Because I yeah, I've, I've just s- come off. I've seen a lot of those where it seems like you just pour glitter in an envelope. It's supposed to be festive. Oh, and but I my think- daughter, little D, shared with us that at her university they are expressly forbidden 
she's in a sorority. They're express, expressly forbidden campus-wide from doing anything with glitter. Yeah, glitter is uh, become, uh, it's like uh, plastic straws mm. for uh, for a certain set. Why is that? Did a sea turtle glitter up its nose and die? Or? <laughs> no, women just want to keep glitter in the confines of the strip club so they know when their man goes there. Oh, <laughs> is that it? Actually, I'm going to give you a choice. Pine cone or macaroni necklace. There you so, go. You know, it's a, <laughs> Both are fantastic. <laughs> you know, I, I know, I caught on to that a couple of years ago that putting glitter in an envelope with stuff is supposed to be festive. And no, it's a, no. It's horrible. You open the envelope and glitter goes all over the place. Why don't you just put dirt in there so that falls out all over? <laughs> my floor, so I have to clean that up. I gave you the gift of sweeping. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. The gift of seeing if your dust buster's charged up. (laughs) There is Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. It is a powerful day for birthdays, because it is not only the birthday of uh, of one of Joe Getty's uh, children, but it is also my birthday today as well. Well, that's uh, right. Of course. My mom sent me uh, this last night. Your, Your birthday is tomorrow. The things I won't do, send you a singing telegram at work, give you a large piece of furniture, Surprise you at home just when you're about to conquer the world of video games. Kiss you in public. Throw you a surprise party. Call the show and make them put me on the air to embarrass you and send you flowers. I think that about covers it. It's great to have a mom who knows me so well. Wow. Fantastic. Uh, there's some good stuff on that list. Um, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. Is How did it get to be Tuesday? December 1st. The rent is due. The year 2020 where Armstrong and Getty. It's too damn high. Hell yeah. Where Armstrong and Getty and we approve of this program. Let's leap into action then officially according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go at Mark. These documents, a rare, clear and open window into what China knew all along. Trying to appear in control while a local outbreak turned into a global pandemic. So there's a, a CNN has gotten a report out that's exclusive to CNN so far on uh, how the Chinese uh, mishandled and lied about the bat flu uh, <laughs> way back in whenever November December when it started to break over there in China. Chinese right. asshole. Agreed. Uh, it was actually over here then too, and we have really interesting uh, scientific information on that uh, immediately after it broke out in China. But it is. Uh, it should be at least somewhat encouraging, but it's mostly annoying that after it looks like old man Biden's going to be the president, suddenly uh, the schools should be open. Uh, yes, China did mishandle it. Oh, OK. Thanks for your honesty. A little late to the party, CNN. Bunch of lying punks. Yeah, we got a lot more on that. It's pretty interesting. Um, And uh, how's mailbag look? Oh, it's very nice. <laughs> oh, just in time for the holiday season. Yeah. It's as well crafted as one of Michael's pine cone squirrels. <laughs> I've been I've been struggling with the fact that, uh, according to all you guys, and I think you're right, we threw out our Thanksgiving leftovers way too early. <laughs> and I would like to know on the text line how long you usually uh, keep your leftovers around. Assume you didn't eat them all. Um, how how late will you go? Will you go clear a week like Joe? Are you a Thursday to Thursday person? Because um, we shut it off Sunday night and threw it away, which is clearly too early. Oh, my god! Throw out a bunch of perfectly good food. There's no penalty for throwing it out once it goes bad. It can go bad in your fridge just fine. And you're like, oh, wait, this went bad. We didn't get to it. What a shame. And then you can throw it out. You don't have to try to guess hey, when it's going bad. You're arguing with the wrong person. Um, <laughs> this the... is really bothering you, Jack. Maybe you guys should redo the meal <laughs> and you can make things right. <laughs> How fat would he be then? <laughs> oh, Jesus. The scale was mean to me today. Oh. oh, mean to me. What do you got against me, scale? 
<laughs> what I ever do to you? You'll be replaced. <laughs> A lot of stuff on the way. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So was it a county commissioner or a city council person there uh, somewhere in L.A. County that voted to shut down restaurants again, then uh, went and ate? That's one of our nominees for the Gavin Newsom Award, the uh, Hypocrisy Award. That's that's just unbelievable. You just don't even care. Uh, you're, You're so far removed from feeling responsibility for these things, it's it's hard for us regular people to imagine. Because you'd think you'd at least go through the motions, even if it is phony and you don't believe it um, in your heart, or you're, you you don't actually don't believe the science is what you're claiming it is. The fact that you're willing to display that hypocrisy to people right. immediately out in public is just incredible. And that woman might not even win the Gavin Newsom. Hypocrisy Award. And so stay tuned. Mailbag. Our freedom-loving quote of the day today from Shelby Steele, historian, black man, from his uh, new documentary, What Killed Michael Brown, mm. which is finding trouble getting distribution because it is uh, runs against the media you know, mainstream. But here's the quote. We human beings never use race except as a means to power. Race is never an end. It is always a means. And it has no role in human affairs except as a corruption. Uh, That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Shelby Steele's brilliant. Moving along to the correspondence proper, here is a note from Corey. Love your show. Oh, that's nice, Corey. That is nice. We get a lot of of the uh, opposite opinion. We do. uh, He says, I love your show. It's the fast food drive-thru version of Republican thought. Smart because of its nutrition. Funny because it's enjoyable. And independent because it helps me shape my opinions to fit others. In just two to three minutes, one can attain the knowledge equivalent of the nutritional value of a Big Mac combo meal, which helps with keeping everyone on the same page. Keep up the good work, my brothers. All right. Keep up the good emails, my brother. I can't tell if he was... Trying to hurt our feelings or praise them. Yeah, I, I uh, midway through there, I thought, wait a second, I think this is, uh, I think this is uh, an insult. We were talking about the assassination of the Iranian nuclear scientist, probably by Israel, and how they, uh, the assassins, escaped. Uh, Jack posited it was jetpacks. <laughs> well, I haven't heard anything about it. Well, uh, there are. Well, maybe you've got the details in this email. More details have emerged on the attack that are different than what hap- were heard over the weekend. But couple of different sets of details. You have to choose which one to believe. But uh, David writes, "Hey guys, after the assassination of the Iranian nuclear scientist, now we know who is testing jetpacks near LAX. Oh, it was wow. the Mossad. Wow, good call, David." You know what? When I get elected, you're my director of national security. So the, just for that astute point. The original story over the weekend that I saw was gunman jumped out of a ditch and uh, riddled his limousine with uh, machine guns and killed the dude in a very nice country town outside of uh, Tehran. Um, that was the word from the Iranian authorities. The latest story is that a uh, a robot machine gun popped up out of the ditch and riddled the vehicle with bullets. Well, so that's different. So, well, now, wait so a minute. So there were no human beings needed to be there. I heard it was a, a robotically controlled machine gun in a drone pickup truck. Oh, really? Okay. There yeah. you go. Totally unmanned. There you go. 
Of course, the Iranians um, are desperately trying to cover their own heinies for allowing this to happen to their top guy. Yeah, like I said, there's interest on both sides of not getting the full story out because whoever did it. If they're sending remote-controlled machine gun trucks at you, I'm not sure what they could have done to stop it. (laughs) Well, probably nothing. If the Israelis want you dead, you're going to end up dead. That's That's just a fact. That's what I said yesterday. I'm walking into the Mossad office. I'm saying, hey, let's get this over with, all right? Let's uh, let's do it in a painless way. Exactly. If I run, I'll just die tired. So let's get this done. A <laughs> uh, longtime correspondent, Darcy, uh, with a question. She says, I'm, I'm, I swear I'm not a crazy anti-vaxxer, but she makes the point that, uh, for instance, the Pfizer study said their, their study included around 40,000 participants, 90% efficacy rate for the, uh, the uh, vaccine, etc. The problem is that less than 100 out of the 40,000 participants have actually caught COVID. Of those who have tested positive, about 10 had received the vaccine. That's 90% efficacy being uh, touted. The problem is that that's actually a very, very small number of the people within the study. So... Uh, it's not like another medical study where you, like in Britain, where they just stick the swab up your nose and give you the vid, like it or not. Um, so, you know, I I have a feeling the FDA knows what they're doing, but it's an interesting question. Uh, moving along. Oh, I love this. This is my favorite. Uh, from Karen. The uh, topic is from foe to fag, as in friend of Armstrong and Getty. I've been a a friend of Armstrong and Getty for over 10 years, yet have a husband who strictly listens to Nakedly Progressive Radio, NPR. Mm. I've forgiven him for this shortcoming. You're a good woman, Karen. For the past year, I would have your podcast on our Bluetooth speaker uh, while making dinner in the evening or coffee in the morning. My husband would catch comments you fellows would make, and I'd hear him secretly chuckle, but outwardly show indifference. Eventually, he asked me about your show, but still avidly listened to NPR. Then he asked what app I used to listen to these guys. Then one day my husband was preparing breakfast for us. I walked down the stairs and I hear Joe's voice. I thought I must be mistaken. So without bringing attention to it for fear he would change the station, we listened to your show together. She's a very patient woman. I love this. I figured this must be his way of doing something nice for me, etc. But lo and behold, the following week after coming home from work, I found him doing yard work, Bluetooth speaker on, listening to you and laughing. I will neither confirm or deny playing your podcast in front of him. He's now a fag and has renounced NPR. Fantastic. Wow. Congratulations. Welcome, Karen's husband. We need more uh, renouncing these days. Yeah, exactly. I renounce. <laughs> I renounce. I don't know. I didn't know you had to re- renounce various entertainment choices. T-A-F-I-A-F turned a foe into a fag, Karen. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. Oh, boy. So, well, we ought to explain the friend of Armstrong and Getty thing someday for new listeners, new stations. People, our listeners have been using that acronym for now decades. And nobody has ever seriously taken offense because everybody knows we love everybody. Including being on in San Francisco for 20 years. Yeah, exactly. It's just, gotta, I like to think people kind of know our hearts. It's just, it's funny. We love everybody. We love gay people. We love, we love everybody. Um, Except those we hate. How China lied to the world about the uh, coronavirus when it started. New study on that and a whole bunch of other stuff on the way. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. 
Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In the town there was a breakdown as the moonlight hit the town. But it was very likely up to 20 million people because there are 40 million doses. You need a prime and then a boost. So either anywhere from 20 to 40 million people likely closer to 20, we'll get it here in the first round. So somewhere around 20 million people are going to get the vaccine here in the next couple of weeks. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it's the first day of December, so before the first of the year, 20 million people will get it. Probably not you unless you're a nurse or something. Yeah. I heard about a doctor who had just worked his 253rd day in a row trying to help people with David. Yeah. That's rough, man. That's rough, doing the death march. Hey, Michael, you're out of the studio when we were uh, looking for a uh, some theme music for the uh, Gavin Newsom Award for Hypocrisy given out to an official somewhere in America who passes strict COVID regulations then promptly violates them. Can you uh, you got something for us? Welcome to the Gavin Newsom Award for Hypocrisy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's as good as any. It's not bad. <laughs> Back when TV series had theme songs and you heard the whole thing. Yep. Awesome. They would like summarize what the show was. Sometimes they would. This was instrumental. This was, of course, the Red Fox uh, ingenious. Uh, what was the name of it? Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son, but of course. Yeah. It was popular in old timey sitcoms to every song tell you what the premise was. Even Lay if, out the format. Even the if goal. there's only yeah. four shows in the whole country He's and it's been on. Get her. She's a bit ditzy. It's, <laughs> oh, it's couples. The strife or whatever the shows were called. They're right. stuck on an island because the song explains it. Yeah, I know. The show's been on for 11 years. We, we all figured it the, out. We all know what it's about. <laughs> Here's the story of a man named Brady 
Or of course, the Gilligan's Island theme. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. So here's your uh, here are your nominees for the Gavin Newsom Award for Hypocrisy. First of all, L.A. County Supervisor Sheila Cool voted to ban outdoor dining at L.A. County's 31 restaurants. Outdoor no, dining. Outdoor dining. Right. Banned outdoor dining. Putting tens of thousands of people and out of work. And you've seen the, you know, wherever you live, you've seen what, what restaurants have done to adjust to this. I mean, they've uh, they've created these structures out there on the sidewalk and part of the street that were obviously expensive to put together. Right. But the, the government gave them the lay of the land. Here are the rules to, to, to try to make a living in the land of the free. And so this is what we've done. And then you decide, no, that's not good enough either. That is just freaking unbelievable. It's the biggest theft of freedom in America outside of slavery. And it so, doesn't get enough attention. During Tuesday's L.A. County Board of Supervisors meeting, Cool referred to outside dining as, quote, a most dangerous situation over what she described as the risk of tables of unmasked patrons potentially exposing their servers. This is a serious health emergency, and we must take it seriously. The servers are not protected from us, and they're not protected from their other tables that they're serving at that particular time, which is the sort of phrase dumb people use to sound smart, So being plus all of, the hours in which they're working. Well, yeah, I was going to say, so being out of work, and then maybe the business they work for going away would be better for everybody. Right. So after delivering that impassioned speech, hours later she went out to eat outdoors. Dined al fresco at Il Forno, some Italian fare. Which hours after her speech to the council about how dangerous it is the servers are not protected from us, she went out to eat. How do you interpret that? I would I would like to have an honest interview with her and hear her explain you know, be be completely honest. What is going through your head there? You just think you're different than other people, or other people are too stupid to uh, like look around the restaurant and make a determination whether or not it's safe. Well, I I could almost say she thought she'd get one more meal in out before it closed. Well, if but it's she dangerous, was it's the, dangerous. Well, exactly. She's the very person who made the impassioned speech explaining how it's a moral issue, not to you know. Well, it's a moral issue. But Jack, wait a minute. Don't cast your vote yet. Don't fall for the early voting before all the facts are in. Because we have old friend of the Armstrong and Getty show, another Californian. Interesting. San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo appears to have broken health protocols in celebrating Thanksgiving with family members outside of his own household. NBC Bay Area investigative unit has learned Licardo celebrated with his elderly parents at their Saratoga home with an unknown number of guests. Uh, while the mayor's staff did not confirm the dinner took place, they've not disclosed how many other people attended, how many different households were present, when he, whether any of those in attendance wore masks while not eating. I suppose his argument would be, well, my important, my family's important to me, and we don't get together that often, so... Right, and my parents are getting old and won't be around that much longer, and I love them, and they love me. Last week, That's Ricardo unbelievable. urged all of his Twitter followers to cancel big gatherings and noting the importance of following safety protocols, even with friends and oh my family. God, are you learning a lesson about the people that end up in charge of your lives? And one more uh, reminder, this is Santa Clara County, where the 49ers aren't allowed to play at home because it's contact sport. 
their uh, local health uh, Nazi had said, keep your holiday gatherings to your immediate household members only. Even though the sport has a multi-billion dollar interest in keeping the players safe as possible. Wow. So because very few details are known about the, the San Jose mayor's gathering, I think our winner's got to be L.A. County Supervisor, uh, Ms. What's her name? Sandra Cool. Our winner of the Gavin Newsom Award for Hypocrisy. Sheila Cool, rather. The, Sorry. The Gavvies, the, the Newsom. The, the, the Gavvy. The Gavvy's pretty good, Sean. Um, uh, and then uh, I, I kept hearing during vacation, but I didn't look into the story. The mayor of Denver apparently did one of these sorts of routines also and got a oh. national attention for it. Yeah, I'd heard about that. Yeah, he could have been a nominee. Uh, yeah. <sighs> it's uh, be smart. Make your own decisions. Keep your business open. Keep your people and your customers safe. Yeah, there you go. You're smart. You're capable. And you live in the alleged land of the free. There, there's a deeper lesson, though, about uh, power and government and stuff going on w- with this. Absolutely that, there is. That yeah. is beyond even what I, and I'm, I'm as cynical and I think well-read about the excesses of power and power corrupts as, 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 as the average person, and I'm still shocked that these people are doing it to this level. Right. Well, you add to that, Congress, for instance, they passed the Stimulus Act or whatever it was called, the CARES Act, and it was just chock full of just completely unrelated money, just flying around. Yeah. You know, not letting a crisis go to waste, as the old saying goes. So, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll keep preaching this stuff until we die, but the idea that some of you who want to make government bigger and bigger and more and more powerful, I think you're insane. We should um, we should take a break here pretty quick uh, so we can tell you about the report that's out on uh, China and the coronavirus. It's kind of interesting how it all got started and how this story just came out now. Now that the presidential election is over, is kind of interesting. But uh, there's about if you're you're a fan of looking at the night sky with the telescope, this is about to happen. Jupiter and Saturn will be in close alignment uh, for the first time since 1226. I remember it. And so what this means is if you look 1226 yesterday, you mean. Uh, Just afternoon? No, the year. March 4th, 1226 was the last time two uh, celestial bodies have been visible in the night sky this close together. So if you look up on December 21st, first day of winter this month, you will see what looks like a double planet up in the sky because it'll be so close together. And it hasn't happened since the Middle Ages. Maybe that's why that monolith appeared in the Utah desert. The aliens are sending us Yeah, we haven't talked about that yet. Um so, um, uh, yeah, I might have to get out the uh, the the old uh, the telescope and uh, take a look at that. My kids would be pretty into it. You know, you're always trying to drum up interest in these phony moons that look like the regular moon, uh, but this this is notable. My God, it hasn't happened in you know eight hundred years. Or something. I get a cut of all the moon viewing if I can get <laughs> yeah. in a pocket of big moon. Oh, yeah, <laughs> if I can get enough people to tune in, it's a double blue uh, wolf moon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big lunar has just got me over a barrel. <laughs> it's your coyote red moon this month. <laughs> sure it is. Sure it is. You know, I'll bet in twelve twenty six they were dealing with some sort of pandemic, whether they knew it or not. <laughs> and uh, a lot more sores up. per capita than we deal with these days. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, go down to the overpass. I think it's a- <laughs> yeah. Look around. That was unsympathetic. <laughs> um, uh, so a bunch of stuff on the way. Our text line four one five two nine five KFTC. Armstrong and Getty.
Armstrong and Getty Show. As I tell my kids when they complain about something related to it, I say everybody in the world is sick of the coronavirus. Everybody on the entire planet oh, yeah. is tired of it in, in their own uh, unique way. It is one of the most disrupting events in world history. Um, it, it certainly ranks in the top couple in modern world history. So uh, it's worth taking a look at uh, how it originated, and we know more about it now as uh, an intelligence report has come out of uh, what was going on in China in the early days. This is from CNN. You're going to hear a couple of professors in here weighing in on some of the info that we're now getting. An unprecedented leak of internal Chinese documents to CNN reveals for the first time what China knew in the opening weeks of the COVID-19 pandemic, but did not tell the world. A whistleblower who said they worked inside the Chinese healthcare system shared the documents with CNN online, which show a chaotic local response from the start. This lack of transparency uh, sort of also contributed to the crisis. Seeing information uh, in black and white uh, was very revealing and instructive. CNN has verified them with half a dozen experts, a European security official, and using complex digital forensic analysis looking at their source code. The documents provide a number of key revelations about the province of Hubei, home to the epicenter city of Wuhan. Firstly, some of the death tolls were off. The worst day in these reports is February the 17th, where these say 196 people who were confirmed cases died. But that day, they only announced 93. There you go. Um, It would seem from this report uh, that... Well, Trump gets some cover in that, you know, his his ongoing, it originated in China and they lied about it. And then the WHO did not do a good job of pointing that out to the world and everything like that. That's all absolutely true. It was absolutely true, even though it was denied by um, all of the media. and Including the very it. network that brought us that report. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. But uh, the other part of it is Xi, uh, Xi gets some cover as the leader of China because it looks like he probably wasn't told what was going on in classic communist fashion, as always happens. This is why it, it doesn't work as a system of government. Everybody was so freaking scared of being in trouble, they lied to everyone above them, right. starting at the, the most local level all the way up. So it probably was a very long time before people at the top were aware of what was go- actually going on. Stalin thought they were actually, you know, uh, farming out there and growing crops and everything was working fine. And uh, the the factories were cranking out tractors and the crops were growing and everything was good because he was being lied to. Right. They, because people knew if they didn't do their job correctly, they'd end up in prison or dead. Exactly. It's like any organization. You don't want to give your boss bad news if you can avoid it. But in a communist organization, they can have you put to death and uh, to cover their own hiney. How, how, how in the world... Do the people at the top of these uh, governments not understand that? If the penalty, well, or, or raising your own kids. It's hubris. Jeez, if the penalty is too high, they're going to lie to you just to avoid it. It's like it's like torturing people to get information. They're going right. to say anything to get it to stop. Right. I want to know who broke the lamp, and whoever it is, tell the truth, and I will beat you for an hour. That's not going to get honesty. Right. It never does. So I haven't heard these clips or any of the other ones worth playing. What do you think, Sean? Uh, I thought the whole report was interesting. Okay, well, let's hear another one. China was also circulating internally bigger, more detailed totals for new cases in Hubei. For one day in February, recording internally nearly 6,000 new cases. 
Some diagnosed by tests, others clinically by doctors and some suspected because of symptoms and contacts, but all pretty serious. Yet publicly that day, China reported nationwide about 2,500 new confirmed cases. The rest were downplayed in an ongoing tally of suspected cases. That meant patients that doctors had diagnosed as being seriously ill sounded like they were in doubt. They did later improve the criteria. If China had been more uh, transparent and also more uh, aggressive in responding, clearly they would have had an impact on how much the virus spread in Wuhan, in Hubei, in China, and perhaps uh, to the rest of the world as well. You know, I can't help but wonder if this was available before the election. Um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have made any difference. It's not like, you know, people were voting based on this or anything like that. But it clearly um, softens some of the attacks on Trump uh, or, or bolsters his, his argument about China and the WHO. You know, I could be wrong, but I think if the twin towers of late awakening in today's news are, A, China badly mishandled the uh, Chinese bad fever, and B, uh, the schools ought to be open. All the liberal networks are now saying, yeah, you got to open the schools, terrible damage to the kids. If if those two narratives, which Trump was pitching hard, were being agreed to all over the media, as opposed to opposed as idiocy, I think it could have made a difference. I think enough people take their information through the mainstream media, it could have made a difference. Uh, you don't know, but it's certainly not good. We should get information whenever it's available, no matter who it helps or it hurts. Um, that is the way it should work in the press. Yeah. Be- Beijing ordered a lockdown of Wuhan on January 23rd, and the government stopped selling masks and respirators to other countries around the world and began buying medical supplies uh, all around the world because they re- when they realized they had such a problem and were lying to the WHO about what a problem they had. So they hoarded up all the stuff that other countries would need to combat the virus. Yeah. A fascinating example of one of the pitfalls of international supply chains. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The the one that really exposed it. And I hope we don't forget that lesson. Uh, Speaking of which, the early days of the coronavirus in the U.S., uh, I got to admit, it gives me some satisfaction that we were right about this point. And and one of the reasons I think we generally are all right about these things is we don't have any particular point of view that we're desperate to prove. We just want to know what's going on. We have a point of view, obviously, but we talked in January to uh, a number of respiratory techs and uh, and nurses via email or, or actual physical conversations in which they said, look, fellas, in November and especially December, we were besieged with a bunch of weird flu cases. That's in quote, mm. quotes that weren't responding to the usual treatments. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. It was so strange. We're all talking about it. Well, this from uh, the Wall Street Journal, the new coronavirus infected people in the U.S. in mid-December 2019 a few weeks before it was officially identified in China and about a month earlier than public health authorities found the first U.S. case, according to a government study published yesterday. The findings significantly strengthen evidence suggesting the virus was spreading around the world well before public health authorities and researchers became aware, upending initial thinking about how early and how quickly it emerged. Here's how they did this. Uh, the uh, the scientists are basing their study on blood samples that the American Red Cross collected between December 13 and January 17 and later sent to the CDC for testing to see if any had antibodies to the new coronavirus. 
And uh, and sure enough, um, the, 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 the CDC scientists found antibodies in 39 samples. Really? From, from California, Oregon, Washington. Again, collected between December 13th. Wow. And dis- Oh, and December 16th. So it's all December stuff. Uh, That's long before we've nailed down that it was uh, spreading around America. Right. Just to strengthen the case, they also found 67 samples with antibodies in Massachusetts, Michigan, Wisconsin, or Iowa, and Connecticut or Rhode Island collected between December 30 and January 17. So it was uh, it had already gotten its claws in this country in December. Wow. That is really something. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a... Uh... It's 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 frightening. It's something to marvel at the way uh, a, a disease can spread around the world that fast. Of course, with international travel the way it is today, it's it's a, it's a little different than it was in 1918. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. As we all found out when uh, when Trump closed down people coming in from China, thousands and thousands and thousands of people come in every single day. Well, from he China shut it down all... because of his racism and xenophobia. Absolutely, according to Joe Biden. Um, yeah, that's interesting. We do need to talk about the monolith that showed up in uh, their... Con- Why is it called a monolith? A big, giant steel thing that showed up in Utah. Yeah, and that music happens every time you mention it. Uh, <laughs> so we've got that and other stories uh, that we've got to get to. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Uh, catch up on the latest of the day. Um, Astonishing levels of government waste. That's not a shock. We'll throw that at you. Uh, Austin has now become a suburb of Los Angeles. One of my favorite false 911 callers. Armstrong and Getty. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.